blessed this morning. How about you? I was, I got to be honest with you, I was struggling when it first started. I was tired, a little wore out. Some of it's my fault. Sometimes you push so hard, and you're like, well, I got to drag the church. I, w- I was on time to go hang out. I was excited to go do what I wanted to do with my friends. And when it was time to wake up this morning, I was like, oh, boy. That's my fault. But guess what? God is gracious. God is merciful. He is mighty. So this is an extension of our series on on having an excellent life. In week one, we talked about distinguishing ourselves with an attitude of excellence. And we, we talked about the story of Daniel. And when we read in Daniel, Daniel distinguished himself with an attitude of excellence. Everything he did was above board, honest, and with integrity. Daniel was a man without compromise. You see, they even changed the law that said you can't worship any other god but this one idol. You see, here's something that we need to remember. Regardless You know, Scripture does say obey the laws of the land. But when the laws of the land try to supersede God's law, they're null and void. They try to to tell Daniel and also Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you can only worship the king. They said, sorry, we can't do that. Even until death. They threw Daniel in the lion's den. They threw the three Hebrew uh, boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they threw them in the fiery furnace. But they did not compromise. And I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters out there, do not compromise to the ways of the world and to the proclaimed laws of the land that try to supersede what God's law is. There's even a law on our books that is the same way. Uh, They said there, it it goes something to this effect, and those of you who are uh, studying uh, history or politics or civics would know this probably better than I, but it says, any law that is contrary to the Constitution is not a law. The Constitution is our utmost of law. But in our Christian life, it is this book, this Bible, that is the ultimate law. I will go by this. There, you know, there's a push today to try to make this outlawed. They said, if I preach this, it's a hate crime. It's not a hate crime. It's love. Just because I don't accept your lifestyle doesn't mean that I don't love you. When, when my child disobeys me and I got to give them a pow-pow on their behind or a timeout, doesn't mean that I don't love them. I'm doing it because I love them, not despite of it. Doesn't mean, though, I agree with their behavior. Secondly, structure, order, and boundaries. God is a God of order. He wants us to do things in an orderly manner and to the best of our ability. We got to have structure. Without structure, order, and boundaries, you have chaos. Imagine a football game without boundaries, without sidelines, without an end and a field goal. That'd be a crazy game. I don't even know if you can call it a game. It just could be, what do you got going on there? Just a bunch of dudes running around hitting each other with a ball. I don't know. Maybe they call it rugby. But it's, it's chaotic. It's disorderly. This week, we're going to talk about life of excellence, empowerment of the Spirit. Empowerment of the Spirit. Oh, look at it. You got a preview of one of my other messages. 
If I, could if I could have, Jeremiah, can you come clean that board up for me? We're going to talk about empowerment of the Spirit. Who is the Holy Ghost? This is a tricky one in the, in the Christian community. Because a lot of people will uh, acknowledge Him in reading of Scripture, but not in the lifestyle that they live. And I don't know if you guys realize this, but you walked into a Pentecostal, full gospel, Bible-believing church this morning. Those of you who have tuned in, we're going to talk to you about the Holy Ghost. I know there's some, uh, some people out there, brothers and sisters, who proclaim Christ, God bless them, but they deny the power thereof. Scripture talks to us about that power. That power comes from the Holy Ghost. Who is the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost is the third person in the Trinity. We got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. He's first mentioned in Genesis 1-2, where it said the earth was void and dark. And it said, the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the deep. We read that He is the one who sustained things. We read that He is the peace giver. The Holy Ghost is the one who speaks to you. That still small voice within, that conscious who says, uh-uh, don't do that. Hey, go pray for this person. Hey, someone's on my mind. Give them a call. That's the Holy Ghost. That's who's talking to you. Very seldom do we hear Jesus or the Father. You'll know if you're going to hear from Jesus or the Father. The children of Israel heard from the Father when he came down on Mount Sinai with thunderous claps of lightning and smoke and fire billowed. It was so mighty. They were so afraid that they ran and hid in their tents. And they said, Moses, you go talk to him. We're going to believe whatever he tells you. We're going to listen to you. He is mighty. He is powerful. We also see evidences of Jesus talking through scriptures. It said that he's like rivers of living water, a babbling brook. It's, it gives life. It brings renewal. You'll know it's distinctive. But Holy Spirit is a person. Like if I'm talking about uh, Brother Dev, Elder Dev, I don't say the Devret. Right? Sometimes we say the Holy Spirit. It's Holy Spirit. It's who He is. He is an entity, third person of the Trinity. We've got to treat Him like such. Why? Because we have to have relationship with Him. We need His empowerment. We need His leading, His comfort, His guidance. He brings gifts that enable us to live the life that we're called to live. I'm going to show you that in just a little bit. Terminology sometimes gets challenging, and I want to break this down. I've heard it said, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And some will say, well, I already, I already have the Holy Spirit when, you, when I got saved. Yes, you're right, you did. That's one of three baptisms. So let me break it down for you right now. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus. That's salvation. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. We read in John 6... Uh, 44. Let me turn there right there. No one can come to me. This is Jesus talking, red letters. Unless the Father who sent him, who sent me, draws him. You can't come to the Lord unless you're drawn. For example, if you manipulate someone or convince them with words and logic that they should give their life to the Lord, yet they're not feeling it and they just say a verbal sinner's prayer because of logic or debate, I don't believe that it is heartfelt. I don't believe that they give in their life to the Lord. They may have said the sinner's prayer, but they haven't entered into relationship. 
They've got to be drawn, and that drawing is the Holy Spirit. We read again that uh, in also uh, 1 Corinthians, it talks about this leading, this drawing of the Spirit. I'm going to turn there just for a moment at 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For as by one Spirit, you had it, you had it. For it is by one Spirit that, it, that we're drawn, that we're baptized into the body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we have all been made to drink into one Spirit. It is by the Spirit that we have been baptized into Jesus Christ. I know it's a different terminology, but we're baptized by the Spirit into salvation. Salvation is repentance. Second baptisms, baptism is the baptism in water. A lot of us had did this. Now, I don't know about you, I was born into a Catholic family, and when I was a baby, I was baptized, or sprinkled on the head in front of the church with water. Well, as I read scripture, baptism is dying of the old flesh. It represents death, burial, and resurrection. You go down in the water, you die to your old ways, your old sin, and it's also a washing away of the remnants of your past. And you rise again, a new man, a new creation, what scripture calls when we come to Jesus Christ. We are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. I, those bad habits, I may still think of them from time to time, but I am not that person any longer. I stepped into this new season. I might trip once in a while, but it doesn't mean I'm perfect. But I, I'm declaring that this is a fresh start. I've been washed. I've been cleansed. Death burial and resurrection. That is baptism in the Spirit. In Matthew 28, it illustrates that to us, and Jesus tells us, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of Jesus, teaching them all that I have commanded you to do. Disciples can baptize disciples. Doesn't always have to be a pastor. Traditionally it is, but sometimes we have uh, fathers come alongside of the minister and baptize their children. We are to create more disciples. See, one of the challenges in, in churches and church growth, seminars and everything else, do we want a crowd or do we want disciples? I'm not here to be, I don't want a bunch of yes men and just be like, oh yeah, it's a great service, I feel good, I'm going to go home. We are called to go into all the world and create disciples, teaching them what I've commanded you. A feel-good message, I like those too, don't get me wrong. But that doesn't give you strength for the weak. That doesn't help you get over the hurdles of life, the temptations that are going to come, the attacks of the enemy. Because we do have an enemy who's like a lion, who's, who's seeking who he can devour, utterly destroy, devour completely. He wants to take you out, and he doesn't fight fair. He's going to hit you in the cheap spot where you're the weakest. But do you know how to spiritually combat that? Do you know how to stand against it through the power and the strength of the Holy Ghost? Can you be more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus? That's what I'm talking about. That's what I want to teach so that there's not just one or two of us, but then as a congregation, we can go out into this world. We can go out into the campuses, the highways and the byways, and we can, when we come across someone who is possessed, or hurt. We can, through the power and strength and the giftings of the Holy Ghost, give them victory and deliverance and healing. That's what I'm talking about. Or do you just want a good, Jesus loves you. Praise God. He wants to bless you. Yeah, that's true. But you, sometimes we've got to fight for it. 
children of Israel, they are crossing the Jordan River to take the promise that God gave them. This is your land flowing with milk and honey. This is what I've promised you. It is yours, but you got to go fight the giants uphill to take it. No one said your Christian life was going to be easy. No one said, is this going to be peaches and cream and go along and smell the roses? Sometimes we got to fight for it. we got to fight for our unsaved loved ones. we got to petition the gates of heaven on their behalf. Lord, help my sister. She's strung out again. Help her, Father God. I bind that spirit of addiction in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you surround her with your angels. Send someone to, to protect her now, even though she's in another state, even though he's in another state. Lord, you transcend all time and space. They can feel your presence as I'm praying here over there. Amen? Mm. Jesus, number three, baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. And I got a few verses here that I want to share with it. Because we read in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which are called synoptic gospels, meaning they're the same, or uh, the, the, you got the same story by three different perspectives. We got Luke, who was a doctor. We got Matthew, who was a tax collector. Mark was uh, just in there with them. And they're all telling this story about the death, burial, resurrection, and the birth of Jesus Christ. But John is a little bit different. That's not one of the synoptic gospels. It's not the same. He tells the whole story from beginning to end. But we read in Matthew 3. If you have your Bibles, turn there. Matthew 3, 11. When you got it, say amen. Or when you click it, scroll on it, whatever it is that you do nowadays. So this is John the Baptist talking. He says, I will baptize you with water for repentance. But after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am unfit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit with fire. It's a separate and distinct baptism. You are already saved through the leading of the Holy Spirit. But there's something separate and distinct. John's saying, I'm baptizing you, but there's, there's going to come another. That means there's more than just water baptism. See, when I was a baby, I didn't have a choice to live a righteous life. That baptism was them telling me or making me do something. So as I got older, as an as adolescent, I had to make a decision for myself. Am I going to put away the old things, the old habits? Am I going to repent and be washed? And I made a conscious decision, and I was baptized again, making a declaration, an outward declaration of an inward commitment. Jesus, we read in this story... He was also baptized. He was also baptized. I want to go on to uh, one other uh, just briefly. John, because I said John was different. John 1, 33. Just a few more uh, books right down. Go to your right. John 1, 33. If you got to say amen. All right. And it says in John 1.33, let me, let me go back here to the beginning. I would not have known him except that 
The one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I have seen it and I have testified that this is the Son of God. I love this, this scenario here. I love this, this illustration. Because Jesus comes to John the Baptist, which was his cousin, and he said, and John the Baptist said, I can't baptize you, you're greater than me. He says, let us do this to fulfill scripture. So he baptized Jesus in the water. And when Jesus came up, this is what the story says. And you can read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it says that the heavens opened. And something, the Holy Spirit, in the best description they could give, was like a dove, came down and settled on Jesus' head. And a voice came from heaven and said, this is my son, who I am well pleased. So we have an illustration of the Father speaking in heaven, the Holy Spirit coming down and resting on Jesus. We have the Trinity right there. Some people say, oh, it's Jesus only. No, if it was Jesus only, who landed on his head? Did he land on his own head? Did he speak from heaven himself? No. We have all three appearing right there, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That is the Trinity. That is what we have. And this is who I'm talking about. It was Jesus at the beginning of his ministry got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And being led of the Spirit, he went out into the wilderness to, be, to fast and to be tempted. That was a proving ground. We all have a wilderness experience. We all have a proving ground, a testing ground. That God wants to test your grit, your faithfulness, your commitment. And it's only through remaining in Him and calling upon Him that you'll be able to stand the test. That you'll be able to get through the trial. Because He is the provider. He is the healer. He is the way maker. He can take care of that need. But will you remain faithful? See, you need the Holy Ghost. So here we see... Jesus wasn't baptized into salvation because he is the Savior. He was born without sin. He was born right, so he didn't need a Savior. But he is Jesus, the first baptism. The second is a baptism with water. He went down in the water, and when he came up, the Spirit of the Lord descended upon him. We have the second baptism. Jesus himself was baptized with the Holy Ghost. Here's a last conversation that Jesus had with his disciples. This is interesting. I like this one. You know what? Let's turn to Acts 4. If you got it, I only have part of the scripture up there. If you got your Bibles, let's turn to Acts. It's right after John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. If you're there and you got it, say amen. Man, some of you are quick. I, I mark mine, but if I marked every scripture I've referenced, my whole Bible would be marked. So here we go. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. There was a command, and now Jesus is talking, red letters. Do not leave Jerusalem. Who is he talking to? His disciples, they're already believers. They're already Christians. That means they've already been baptized into Jesus through the leading of the Holy Spirit. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. See, something separate and distinct 
from salvation. He's already talking to a group of people who are saved. They are believers. This is a separate and distinct event. So you may have given your life to the Lord. You may have said the sinner's prayer and you've entered into relationship with Jesus Christ. That is awesome. You have gotten started. You need to be baptized in water, representing death, burial, and resurrection like Christ did. That's the second baptism you need. And thirdly, if you haven't done this last one, you need this, and this is what I'm talking about today. Because in order to live an excellent life and carry out the call that God has had in your life, you need victory. In order to get victory, to be an overcomer, you need the empowerment, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because some of you are getting your butt kicked. I see it on Facebook. Oh, pray for me. Yeah, that's not wrong. Uh, you might see me say pray for me too, but it's going to be not out of desperation or hopelessness. It's going to be prayer warriors stand guard. Let's go. Let's get this. We're going to battle. Right? That's the difference in, well, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going on. I, no, 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 no. He that is in me is greater than he that's in the world. I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. I am a child of the one true king. I am joint heirs in the throne of righteousness. I am not the tail, I am the head. I am not below, I am above. We got to walk in that power. But until you come to be baptized with the power of the Holy Ghost, which they're talking about right here. He says, don't leave. Don't go anywhere. I'm about to leave. And this is the last conversation that he has with them in this setting right here. And then Jesus ascends to heaven and now sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you. He's our defense attorney because Satan's always accusing the brethren. He's always accusing the Christian. This is what he does. He's going to tempt you with this. And so he's taking like, look at what he did. Look, see what he did? Oh, you need to go do this over here. And then as soon as you do it, he's like, look at what he did. I know I'm a witness. I tempted him. Nasty, evil, conniving. He's trying to kill you. Some of us don't realize it because we don't act like that. When you get tempted, you got to run like Joseph ran because Satan's trying to kill you. You got to act like it's a threat. That's a message for another day. We need this. If Jesus had it and he told his disciples, it wasn't just the 12. It was quite a few. I think it was about 120 in the upper room. And it said that they were praying in one mind and one accord. There was unity. Where there is unity, God will command a blessing. Doesn't matter what color is your skin, whether you have an accent or not, what, where you come from, what tribe you're claiming, what group you're with. It does none of that. Blood is thicker than water, yes. But how much more is the blood of Christ? that saves us all. In prayer with leadership this morning, I was talking to uh, Elder Dev. I said, you know what? I've spent more time with you than some of my biological siblings. I have more in common with you. I'm, in eternity, I'm going to see you again. And as it sits right now, they haven't given their life to the Lord. And I'm not going to see them again. See, he's my brother in Christ. Literally. The same blood that washed away my sins washed away his sins. He called us into this family for such a time as this. He's here. God called my family here. You're here. Apparently, we need to work together. We're here for such a time as this. Let us join arms and do this together. There's no us or them or they and this or that and that. Yeah, 
I might eat a little bit different food. I might like a little bit different style of music. That's okay. It's all right. I like arroz con gandules and salchichon or seasoned pork. I like a little salsa merengue, but I also like some southern gospel too. It doesn't matter. None of that. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ transcends all of that. We need a savior. He's the savior. You, you need power to overcome. He sent the Holy Ghost. Hmm. This is, this is good. I'm liking this, guys. I'm, I'm getting excited over my own message. This is great. Because it reminds me. It reminds me of what's going on. So before I get any further, we see, we see that in 1 Corinthians 10, he talks about the baptism. There's these baptisms. Uh, see, the Bible talks about things from beginning to end. It is congruent all throughout. Although it was written over thousands of years, there's 66 books, several different people that we call authors, but actually they were secretaries. The, the, the Holy Spirit was dictating to them and they were writing it down. But we read, there's types and shadows of Christ, of baptisms. We don't see it first on the scene of John the Baptist. We see it in types and shadows. Moses was a type of Jesus. He saved the Israelites from captivity. Jesus saves us from death, hell, and the grave, from captivity. They went through the Red Sea, the washing, the baptism. They followed the cloud, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The cloud that led them by day and sheltered them from the hot sun. And it was a pillar of fire at night that kept them warm in the cold desert. We see in 1 Corinthians 10, 2, that Moses was that type of Jesus and that he was the one. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. We see the three baptisms there. We also see it when we look at Moses' tabernacle. If I could just illustrate that for you for a moment. You guys are going to hear me talk a lot about the tabernacle because it represents many things. And we read in Scripture that heaven is going to be set up much like it. We have in the tab tabernacle, and you can tell I'm a great artist, um, the tent of meeting, which represented the presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant was here. First, there was a brazen altar where a sacrifice had to be made. Blood had to be shed for the forgiveness of sin. They would sacrifice the lamb. But in the New Testament, we have the Lamb of God, who was the ultimate sacrifice, the blood that was shed for our sins. This brazen altar represents the cross of Jesus. Secondly, they had a laver that you would wash. There was water in there. It would wash away the residue of sin. It, it would represent that you became out clean. The laver is the baptism that we get in water, the immersion in water, and we come out clean. So they had to make a sacrifice of a lamb. They had to get the laver. And here's the interesting part. This third part, so we have water. We have uh, the blood over here. And then this last one is the oil. Before you can go in, this we'll call it a flask, uh, whatever you want to call it. There was also a lampstand, a menorah, that it was called. And the, the menorah had oil, olive oil, and also 
the, the priests who entered in had to be anointed with oil. That oil and that lampstand represents the Holy Spirit. Here's the thing. I want you to pay close attention. There's only one way. If that's the presence of God down there, there's only one way. Jesus answered in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, all right, you guys ready? You ready for some meat and potatoes? Say yes or no. Okay. Only one way. No other gods before me. If God is the creator of all heaven and earth, any other religion that does not proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is a false religion, and they have false gods. That, that's a tough one. Some, so those of you who don't want to clap, you got a Muslim friend or a Hindu friend, and you're like, well, i got to be respectful of their beliefs. What you've got to be is prayerful that you can convince them that Jesus is the way. Some of, some of them, oh, Lord Jesus, help me. Some people are afraid to call upon the name of Jesus. Why is that name so offensive? Because that is the only name in which man can be saved. Muhammad is gone. Hare Krishna is gone. Buddha, gone. All died. Jesus died, but he rose again. Amen? Give him a hand clap of praise. So here we have, we see this, this path. You have to go through each step to get into God's presence. You can't say, I'm going to come in. I'm all right with salvation. I'll repent. I'll get baptized in water. I'm okay with that. But this Holy Ghost thing, that's a little weird. I don't want to do that. I'm going to go around. Uh-uh. I, I didn't write the book or the pattern to his presence. But how can you have fellowship with God who said in his word, don't leave Jerusalem? How can you have fellowship with the one who said that I have come to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire? We haven't even seen that yet. At least I haven't since I've been here yet here. But as I teach it and as we receive it and as we enter into it, look out. Look out. I'm not talking about grandiose to look at me sort of thing. No, because that's, that's fleshly. That's pride. That's ego. I'm talking about empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about casting out devils, watching arms grow, and blind eyes see, deaf ears hear. That's what I'm talking about. Those are the gifts of the Spirit. And I know it sounds a little hokey pokey for some of you because this is the first time you heard it. It's in the Word of God. Those are the gifts of the Spirit. Matter of fact, I'll, I'll prove that to you. On the menorah, there are seven candlesticks representing the seven gifts of the Spirit. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, righteous fear, healing, tongues and interpretations. It's all in there. You can't sidestep the path to His presence. You might be saved. If you're in the, the, the courts, I will enter His courts with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter His gates with praise. Worship, repentance, cleansing, anointing, praise and worship is his presence. You, there's no side. Now, you might be in here. You might be saved. I'll just write saved. But are you having fellowship in his presence? 
if X marks the spot. You might be running all around the tabernacle. You might be going everywhere. Woo, yeah, I'm feeling good. You're not, you haven't made it to the mercy seat yet. You haven't had that deep, intimate fellowship with the Lord. Life-changing, transformational. And this is going to cost you. It's going to cost you the sacrifice of the, of, of the lamb, the blood that was shed, the washing. You've got to put away the bad habits. You've got to put away the things that so easily entangle us. You've got to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, which is going to bring that humility and that power, who is going to help you usher in to the presence of the one and living God. So some people out there will say, oh, they're secessionists. Secessionists mean that they believe that the Holy Spirit was then, but it was only for the disciples. Well, how many people were in the upper room? It was more than 12. It was like 120 of them in the upper room. And it wasn't only the disciples that performed miracles. When Paul was struck off the road to Damascus and he was blinded, there was a guy named Ananias came and prayed for him. He's not mentioned anywhere else in Scripture, but he prayed for him and his eyesight returned. He wasn't a disciple. Or an apostle, like some would call it. He was an everyday faithful Christian who performed a miracle through the empowerment and leading of the Holy Spirit. You too, through the empowerment and leading of the Holy Spirit, can have that same access. I've seen it. I've seen little kids pray for people. Those, they're the best. They have the most faith. You want to get healed, you call. You get your go up in the nursery. Give them a bottle of oil and say, get to it. Pray for me. Because they don't question. They're like, okay, pfft, oil. That, that's, that's, that is how Jesus said, come unto me as little children. With that faith. Mm. Who is the promise for? When, this is interesting because I want to talk about the empowerment for a moment. Do you know when um, Peter... When Christ was going through his trials and he was in the courts of uh, uh, Pilate and going through all that stuff, Peter was trying to follow him. And they kept recognizing him. And Christ told Peter, you'll deny me three times before the rooster crows. You guys remember that story? If you don't, Jesus, or Peter told Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere. I'm going to go with you to death. He says, easy. That's prideful. Matter of fact, I, I've seen the future and you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, no, I'm not, Jesus. He did. Not only did he deny him, he started cussing. I don't know that guy. I'm not with him. And then the third time, the rooster crowed. He's like, ah, he started, he felt bad. He ran away. Then he was in the upper room. A wind blew like a freight train through there. They were baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And at that time, it was Passover. So you had Jews from all over the world there. And it lists all the nations that they were from. And they come and they said, what is going on? We heard the noise and we hear this language. And they said, aren't all these men from Galilee? Meaning they're fishermen, uneducated. But yet they are speaking all of our languages from all over the world. What's going on? And Peter comes out and talks to him and says, I know it seems like we're drunk. Something must have been about them. When the weight of the Holy Ghost hits you, sometimes you're going to feel something. It's different for everyone. I would just caution you, don't get into the flesh, but let me pull out my best moves, you know. No, 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 no. Stop. Let the Holy Spirit do what He's going to do. 
and you just be responsive, right? Holy Spirit came on them. There was something that happened. One, they were speaking in other tongues. Two, their, their, their outward appearance was such that they thought they were drinking. Peter's like, no, it's only like 9 in the morning. We're not drinking. He says, well, what is this? He said, this is what was prophesied. And, he said, and then he convinced me, and he said, what, can, what, what, what must we do? He says, repent, be baptized in water, and surely, if you seek it, you'll get the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's this guy who ran away from a little girl who said, don't you know Jesus? No, I don't know him. And now he spoke to over 3,000 people that day. The same Peter who was afraid to, to acknowledge Jesus Christ now had the boldness and strength to speak in front of 3,000 people and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Some of you who are afraid to share your testimony, you're in, but you ain't all the way in. You may know of him. You may have said the sinner's prayer, but you don't have the boldness yet because you don't got the empowerment of the Holy Spirit who comes through baptism. You will believe what you believe. Well, I'm just going to let them do them and I'm going to do me. No, you're supposed to be the light of the world. Shine your light up high. For all to see. Remember that song? I'm going to hide. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it. Hide under a bush. Oh, no, some of you still got in a bush. You're like, well, you know, I'm going to go to church, but I'm not going to tell them. Not only are you not supposed to hide it, it says put it on a lampstand so all can see. We are to affect the world. We are to share the gospel. We are to. Peter just could have been like, oh, this is for us. But when those people were out there asking, what's going on? He said, let me tell you what's going on. This is what was prophesied in the, in the days of old. This is what's happening. You talk about the Passover lamb. You're here for Passover and you're eating the lamb because of what uh, Moses did. Well, let me tell you about what Jesus did. And he started sharing. I had someone say, Pastor, how can I go through this when my heart is broken or I'm, I'm, I'm dead broke or I've got this thing? This is how you go through it. Walk through it in faith. Show them that even though it's tough, you still got joy. Even though times are hard, you can still smile. Even though the tests are long or your girlfriend or boyfriend broke up with you or your husband ain't acting right or your wife ain't acting right or your money ain't acting right, you can still walk through it and be like, God's still on the throne. I don't know how, I don't know when, but he's in control and he's going to see me through. He did it for the Israelites, he'll do it for you. It's the same God. JJ, if I could have you come up, if, if you're here, if not. I'm just going to pray a simple prayer for you after I read these couple verses. Not only was it was these disciples, because some people say, well, that was just upper room. And, and it, if we turn to Acts 8, you're, we're going to see a different story here. This is something interesting, and I just want to uh, prove it out for you. Acts 8, 14. This is good. I love when the Bible just proves it out. And there, there's, no, there's no questioning it. Okay. And these are the Samaritans. The Samaritans received the Holy Spirit. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. 
When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost had not yet come upon them. Wait a minute. They said that the Samaritans had accepted the Word of God. They were saved. But the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon them, a separate and distinct event or baptism. And they simply been baptized into the name of Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit. We read on that there's this guy, Simon, he saw something happen, and he said, I want that. Unfortunately, he tried to buy it. You can't buy this. It's with your heart. We go also to Acts 19. So we see the Samaritans receive the Holy Spirit. And then we also see the Ephesians in Acts 19. They also come to know the Lord and they want to receive it. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived in Ephesus where he found some disciples. They're already followers of Christ. And asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? When you, were, when you believed? They answered, no, we have not heard of that holy, uh, uh, we have not heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Some churches don't teach it. These were disciples. These were followers of Christ who had not heard about it yet. Now Paul's about to teach them. Paul, the one who wrote most of the New Testament, the greatest apostle that there ever was. So Paul asked them, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, that's water. John baptized in water. So they believed, and they were baptized in water. They had the first two. But it wasn't enough. Paul keeps going. Paul said to him, baptism, John's baptism was of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, and that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came down on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So approximately 24 plus people, because at that time, uh, they only counted men for whatever reason. That represented households. Here's the part that a lot of people don't like. It gets a little spooky. The, one of the initial, or what we believe in uh, this movement, the initial evidence of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is tongues. That can be scary for some. Let me explain it like this. Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not going to come where you don't want him to come. So if you don't want him, he's not going to show up. But if you do want him, you don't have to be afraid. Spirit is subject to the prophet, meaning we can control what happens. You can help it to happen by praising God and, and opening your mouth and worshiping, or you can close it up. I've seen the glory fall on people who were seeking the Holy Ghost, and they weren't praising it. You could, you could almost see it welling up in them, and they shut their mouth. There is a gift of tongues that needs to be interpreted, but there's also a grace of tongues, which is a prayer language between you and the Father. Are you with me? Not all tongues need to be interpreted because it could be grace. It could be your prayer language. Because it says, I speak in the tongues of angels. And no one understands it. Only God understands. It's your, it's your secret prayer language. And then there's some that is to be interpreted for the body. Two separate and distinct. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. 
I want you to just stand with me. And I'm going to pray for you. Those of you, of you who are seeking this third baptism, those of you who are seeking the empowerment of the Holy Ghost, some of you may have even said, I didn't even know that it existed. I've showed you the scriptures today. We've read them. We've talked about it. It was separate and distinct from salvation, separate and distinct from water baptism, and it brought power. It brought authority. And when the Holy Spirit comes, tongues isn't all that he brings. He brings all the gifts. Now the question is, will you be a vessel that he can work through? So I'm like, well, I got the gift of healing. No, you got the Holy Spirit who brings healing, but he also brings other things. Boldness and strength. A righteous fear. I'm not going to ask you to bow your head or close your eyes. If you're just begin to worship the Lord. And as I pray, if you want the Holy Spirit, let him know. Holy Spirit, I want, I want fellowship with you. Please come. Say, Lord, I want all that you have. We're not seeking the gift, but the giver of the gift. The Lord wants fellowship with you, and he established this structure and order, and he will get you through. He's just looking for surrendered hearts. I want this empowerment. I've received it. I operate in it. I can always have a closer walk with him. Seek him. Begin to worship. Lift up your hands. Father God, we come to you in the precious name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, that you sent another one. Jesus, that you said, I must go so that the promise of the comforter can come. Some of you need comfort. Some of you need a supernatural touch, a healing, a breakthrough. You need that boldness to share the gospel. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. You are welcome in this place. Let them know. Say, you are welcome in this place. Lift up your hands just in the receiving. Like if you're going to catch, you're going to catch some, some, some feathers from above. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. We receive you now. I pray that your baptism, your empowerment come upon your people. That, that you will equip them for the ministry that you've called them to be in. You would help them be the men and women that you've called them to be. Say, I love you, Lord. I receive you, Holy Spirit. Dwell in me. Now just begin to worship the Lord. Nothing weird's going to happen. Nothing crazy's going to happen. Just begin to worship him. Brag on the Lord. God, you're a good God. You're a mighty God. You are gracious. You are merciful. You are my healer. You are my redeemer. You are my peace giver. I worship you, Lord. You are the one who sets me free. You are the one, Father God, who sustains me in the midnight hour when tears are flowing from my eyes. You are the one who brings the joy in the morning. You are my deliverer. You are the one who sets me free. Blessed be your name, O Lord. Lift up your voices. Worship and bragging on him. Worship is an attitude of reverence to the Lord. Let him know you are that one. You are the one who made the impossible possible. You are the one who kept me and sustained me when all others around me were falling. When a thousand at my left and ten thousand at my right, you sustained me. You delivered me. Mighty God, everlasting Father, have your way in this place. We worship you. We praise your holy name. Rusha de Rebeki.